It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, is there any hope for the Toronto Raptors bench? Are the players on the roster from spots 7 through 15 potential solutions to their ongoing bench problems? Or will outside help have to come before the Raptors bench issues ever get solved? We'll dig into that question and so much more with this Fandiar Barahenny of the Steve Dangle Podcast Network coming up. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1369 of lockdown raptors for tuesday march the 28th i'm your host sean woodley been covering the toronto raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms you can find all my work over on twitter at woodley sean you can also follow the show on instagram lockdown raptors go do it there twitter's a hellhole don't do that don't follow me we don't need that uh just go over to the instagram page follow there i'll be unlocked in a couple of days so i can get back to posting good old stuff because they thought i was spamming just by merely setting up the account last week (laughs) anyway that's boring let's get to it on today's show we are digging into the Toronto Raptors bench concerns and their long-standing issues over the last couple seasons if it's not having enough good players on the roster I've been thinking about this the last couple days in particular watching the Minnesota Timberwolves win back-to-back games against Golden State and Sacramento uh, in which it's very obvious that having like 9 to 11 good players on your roster very helpful for winning basketball games the Raptors have not had that we're going to dig into how they can address that problem probably not this season but more so going into next year with this Fandiar Barahenny of the Steve Dangle podcast network the NBA reporter over there S how's it going pal it's lovely having you back on the show yeah Appreciate you having me on, as always. Thank you very much. Uh, I love the intro. I love the music. That is some great music. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Get, get, gets me up and ready to podcast. So, the no, people, I, I appreciate uh... it. 
Yeah, the people, that, that's like one of the only good things about the podcast that people comment <laughs> me on is, hey, good music, everything else, <laughs> meh, but the, the music's great, keep it going, shout out to the Passion Hi-Fi from SoundCloud nice. for that uh, that track we've been using for many years on the show now. Um, all right, S, the bench, we are going to talk about the bench, we're going to talk about the guys on the Raptors right now who are part of the bench mix, and uh, it's kind of a, a queasy mix if we're being totally honest. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk a little about Malachi Flynn in particular, you had an interview with him about 10 days ago over on the SDPN that we're going to uh, talk about a little bit too as we get to Malachi Flynn and his potential role in whatever the Raptors bench is going to look like going forward. Before we do all that, however, I suppose we should ask sort of a bigger question, a question I posed on yesterday's show. Is the bench even the biggest problem with this team? That's kind of what my read has been on it all season long. The starters have been pretty successful. The starters since the Acapurtle trade have been extremely successful. Yes, there are issues. Yes, Pascal Siakam has not looked himself. Yes, it's been a little up and down. The fit is not 100% clean and golden. However... It seems to be that in second and fourth quarters, where the Raptors are putting in bench players, for the most part, that's where they're really bleeding points, and it's been an issue all season long. So I ask you, S, is the bench the problem? Is the core six the problem? Is the whole damn thing the problem? And should they just nuke it all down to the studs? Uh, you got carte blanche here to, to sort of detail what your thoughts are <laughs> here, but is the bench the, the big problem to you? I will say the fact that we're even addressing it, and now as my bird alarm clock goes, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> the fact that we're even addressing it as being multiple solutions to this thing, I feel like is a good problem to have. The fact mm -hmm. that you have, you are able to address it in a way where it's like, oh, we can go multiple directions. We can attack this problem head on. We can try to, like you said, re tear it down completely, or we can <laughs> try to rejig things. I, I think the fact that that, option is open to the Raptors is something that for fans is underrated that they don't recognize that hey there is a flexibility there is a level of flexibility that the Toronto Raptors front office has that we are underrating here but I will mm -hmm. say to your question yes it is the bench it is it has been the bench I agree with you wholeheartedly that when it comes down to it and you mentioned it with the Timberwolves because they're such an interesting uh you know kind of wrinkle in what's happening in the NBA Mm -hmm. having guys you can rely on just makes your margins a little bit better when it mm -hmm. comes to times when Pascal Siakam is struggling with his jump shot or Fred Van Vliet is not hitting his jumper at the same mark or maybe Scotty Barnes is working through some sophomore kinks. You don't have the luxury of letting these guys work through that stuff when you don't have a 7th, 8th, ninth guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the margin for error is just so much smaller when you don't have those bench pieces that you can rely on. Um, I, I just think that's that's the main issue here is that you really don't have guys that, one, fit into the skill sets of players that you're looking for. So, like, obviously shooting is a big issue for this Raptors team. And you don't facing. say. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. You know, so so there's there's no one that has really addressed that need for this Raptors team. Wieskamp was supposed to be the guy, maybe, potentially. Will Barton has been signed because they thought that he could stretch the floor for them a little bit more. Obviously, there's there's Malachi Flynn that they've hoped can translate into becoming a good shooter. That hasn't happened yet. So mm -hmm. I, I think, for, for the most part, it is a depth issue. It's not being able to squeeze out that last bit of juice out of the end of bench guys that has really, uh, for the most part, it's been like the motto of success for the Raptors in the time that you've covered them. Nine mm -hmm. years, you mentioned, right? And in those mm -hmm. nine years, 
they could always rely on, okay, we have this guy at the end of the bench. Maybe we can pull him forward. This is a Fred Van Bleet. Okay, hey, there's an Amir Johnson that can play, you know, 15 minutes to start. Chuck Hayes, throw him out there. Right? You Amir know what I mean? Johnson. Oh, my yeah, God. Right? Be they, still my heart. <laughs> exactly. So there was always guys that they could rely on. There was guys at the end of the bench that they could that could essentially provide these certain outlier skills that were there to kind of just solidify the things that the Raptors were weak in. The, mm-hmm. the areas in which the Raptors were weak. And right now, the Raptors suck at shooting. They also mm-hmm. are not very good in terms of uh, like point of attack defense outside of their main starters and rim protecting outside of their main starters. That's why you see Christian Coloco playing a lot of minutes. I'm going long-winded here, but the answer is yes. <laughs> bench. Bench is the issue. Yeah, it's uh, like for me, look, are the starters like the core six featuring Gary? Is it a perfect group of players to build your team around? No, but I'm on the record saying I think it's fine to build your team around an imperfect group of players because it's very rare you're going to find a perfect group of players to put together. And like I, I, I still think that group of six has upward mobility if, in fact, Scotty Barnes can become the guy. We all think Scotty Barnes can be is a little more difficult for him to get there with just extra competing interests in those starting lineups and stuff like that sure but like these are adults they can figure it out and i still feel pretty good about there being some more untapped upside with that core six with the bench i mean it's just you don't know what the hell you're getting night to night even from a guy like chris boucher who I think has been over the last couple seasons, one of the best bench players in the league. Like last year, I laid out a whole case. I had a whole episode detailing why he actually was a more deserving six man of the year candidate than anybody who made the final vote in terms of just on court impact. He was one of the most impactful reserves in the league last year. This season, minus 3.4 difference between, you know, the Raptors are 3.4 points better when he's off the floor than when he's on. That's just, you're not getting anything from that second unit in terms of positive play driving. And it's so contingent upon which starters they're playing with as well. That's that's the issue, too, is finding those mix and match combinations. It's tricky, man. And, and I think this kind of, you know, it does speak to the thing, like you said, the Raptors have kind of lost their juju a little bit when it comes to developing these guys at the back end of the bench. And I think it's a good reminder that, like, the Raptors aren't special. Like, every team can have these down spells of not developing low-heralded yeah. talent that comes in late in the draft. Like, it's a hard thing to do. And getting a Pascal Siakam or a Fred Van Vliet to turn into what they become is the exception, not the rule. And so I think there's been a bit of a reality check probably with the way they've gone about things. They've been pretty flippant with trading away their first round picks, which I'm fine with most of the time, truthfully, because like, who cares? First round picks get real good players and I'm fine with that. But um, they have failed to get real good players in a lot of the cases, like the, the first round pick you trade for Thad Young. Thad Young is part of the bench kind of languishing away right now and not really offering a whole lot. Do you see anything, you know, when you're around the team, just anecdotally, anything you've seen just in the way the team has gone about things in the last few years that might hint to why there's been this sort of fallow period of developing back-end shadow core talent? Like, they had such a good run of it. Yes, they had a lot of first-round picks to do it with, but they also did it with with second-rounders and undrafted guys with Norm, Fred, on down the line. I'm just curious, like, where's the magic gone? Is it something to do with Nick Nurse's development style? Is it something to do with the draft pro, you know, the the, the philosophies of just only going for long dudes who can't shoot and nothing else? <laughs> where have you seen this kind of bleed in as far as, like, the, the big reasons why they're unable to seemingly put together a back end of the bench beyond, like, seven players? 
the cop-out answer is all of the above. But mm. I, I think one of the more prevailing issues that I've noticed, and I think a lot of people who have covered the team will have noticed as well, is the brain drain. It, I believe that's the term for it. But it's just sure, right? guys or, or coworkers, anybody who's working in the Raptors front office, whoever it is, has begun to leave. Like, mm -hmm. and, and honestly, they, they've been poached. There have been assistant coaches that have been poached. There have been front office people who have been poached, stats people, scouting people. So I think that brain drain really ends up being the big issue here. Is is mm -hmm. I feel like with front offices, we don't understand. A, a lot of fans take for granted that like it's a collective decision. A lot mm -hmm. of these decisions are made collectively. That ownership is a part of it. You know, five or six, maybe multiple front office people are a part of every single decision process. I think that is what his is kind of made it. So the last couple of years, they haven't hit on every single thing because they don't have all of the pieces that they had for the first, you know, however, six or seven years of the We the North era. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's part of it. And also, you know, developing that back up, finding people that you can replace in the front office, finding your new scouting guys, your new, your new draft people, whoever it is. I think that's a, as much a part of the development plan as it is the actual players on the court, finding mm -hmm. people within the organization that can also lift you up. I think that's part of it. Um, the other thing is like, you can't hit them all. Like you no. really just, you really <laughs> just can't hit them all. Mm -hmm. uh, people expected Malachi Flynn, who was a multi-year player coming out of college to be a guy who can contribute right away. You, it, at, you just can't hit them all. I think Christian Coloco has been very, very good year one. We'll see what mm -hmm. happens. But like you really can't hit them all, Delano Bent, right? So it just it just comes down to sometimes them's the breaks, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh like it's hard, man. It's really hard to, and especially I think the way the Raptors have played as well, like their style of play has felt very conducive to certain types of players succeeding and. You know, for whatever reason, they failed to identify some certain skill sets that would be wonderful complements to their core style of play. Uh, you know, that that maybe is a bit of a sore spot. We'll talk about some guys who maybe could have helped but haven't or, you know, could help in the future. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's building a basketball team. It's hard, uh, yeah. I guess, is sort of the, uh, the, the the summation of our thoughts here. We're going to come back on the other side, S. We're going to dig into some players on the Raptors right now who might be of help. Uh, we'll dig into Chris Boucher, of course, Precious Achua, Malachi Flynn on down the line. We'll run through those guys and determine whether they're going to be a solution or a no-lution. I don't know. It's a bad pun. I'll let S think of something better while I'm taking a break. We're going to dig in now, however, to tell you about our friends over at... FanDuel, the number one sports book in North America. The NCAA tournaments, both men's and women's, are heating up. The Final Fours are this weekend, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel because FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Locked On. 
Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we continue on here with your first dilution. Of the day. Dilution. dilution. Ah, there we go. A solution or a dilution. We like it. We've, we've done it. This is why we bring the pros <laughs> on the show, baby. Uh, S, let's run through some players on the Raptors bench. We talked about Chris Boucher. I, I feel like he is probably part of the solution here, right? As much as it's been a little bit up and down, when Chris Boucher is on, he's a game changer. If you get good Chris Boucher attacking the offensive glass like a maniac, hitting the odd three when it swings to him. He's at 33% this season, up from 29% last year. That matters. That's something. Um, you know, he's a valuable piece. I think, you know, he's signed to a pretty reasonable deal, 12 million bucks or so over the next couple of seasons. I suppose where things get interesting is that is the Raptors want to double down on their core six and ensure they all get paid. There might be some casualties later on in the roster, and Chris Boucher maybe becomes one of those guys who has to get shipped out as salary juggling. That's all stuff for the future, but as far as like Chris Boucher, can he be a solution to you to what the Raptors bench woes have been? Absolutely, and I think mm-hmm. I think part of why it's been sort of inconsistent this season is because Boucher is best when there are other bench players or he's staggered with the starters and he doesn't have to play such a massive role for this team i think Mm -hmm. the reason that he's been kind of overexerted if you will is because he's really the only bench guy that you can even semi rely on i don't know if that's that's a way to phrase it but like no it is for sure you know like i i just i think he's been the most dependable of the least dependable people so i that that comes with the territory here uh with boucher though i i think he is part of the solution i think he's a guy that can if if the bench improves if you now have Otto Porter Jr., healthy. He can spread the floor for you. He can be another guy next to him. If Precious Achua gets back to making the right decisions and and looking like post-All-Star break Precious Achua, I think he's better when he's playing next to better players. That's who mm-hmm. the Chris Boucher is. So, yeah, he is a solution. To your point on the contract stuff, I, I think that's interesting because, I mean, he does seem like the the odd man out when it comes Mm -hmm. to that. He obviously makes a certain amount that makes it feasible for them to keep OG Fred Van Vliet and Yaka Pirtle, and then maybe, you know, kind of deplete their bench a little bit more, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I I wonder, (laughs) I wonder if that's the the right solution to have, but Mm -hmm. in terms of overall solutions, Boucher is definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be very happy if he's just on the bench the next two seasons as well, right? If they find a way to work around the money, obviously bad young money gets waived or whatever. Like, there's there's ways for them to figure it out. Again, you talked about how expansive these front offices are. Their whole job is to figure out the cap stuff, so I don't have to. Um, as far as Precious Achua, glad you mentioned him because I feel like his struggles this season have been 
one of the more damaging things to the viability of the Raptors as an enterprise, right? Like, I think there was a lot hanging on him, fairly or unfairly, coming out of last season, really hoping he could at least sort of replicate what he did down the stretch. Did I think he was going to be like a 39% three-point shooter on four attempts a game like he was after the All-Star break last year? No. But did I think 35 36% was in, in the cards with, you know, a little bit more of a refinement of his offensive skills to go along with the defense that remains so good it doesn't take a lot to justify having him out there? It's just not worked out. The injury, obviously, the sort of changing of roles. Obviously, Yak comes and he gets moved out of the starting five permanently. It's just been tricky. Where are you at with Precious as far as your optimism that he can be part of the solution? And, you know, as far as this season as well, he might be the single guy who can flip the upside of the bench the most just by kind of getting on a roll here. What do you think about Precious both now and in the future as sort of a long-term core piece? That's what he was dubbed as, I think, going into the offseason. And I think maybe there's been a little bit of a cooling of the Precious Achua hype train, which is fair. But he's also got a lot going for him as well. Where are you at with Precious just sort of generally speaking? I'm a big Precious fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really believe in his game. I, I think the struggles overall have been uh, part partly due to that injury, but also due to try to figure out what he is offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Nick Nurse brought it up when he said, yeah, he's not going to be playing the five anymore. We're going to treat him as if he's a wing or a forward and, and try to find him minutes there. I think that's the way to go. Now, to be fair, that makes things even more muddy because the Raptors have an array of forwards and wings that they're <laughs> trying to get minutes for when it comes to Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Now it's like, okay, how are we going to find touches for a guy like Precious Achua? Mm-hmm. Defensively, though, he is exactly what they they want from a player. He is switchable. He can guard multiple positions. He can – all of the above when it comes to the defensive stuff that he can do. Mm-hmm. I think – there is a real case scenario for him uh, shifting into that Boucher role if they decide to move off Boucher this summer. And let, let's say let's say they decide, oh yeah, look, Boucher is the the odd man out here. We can we can move him and potentially keep all of our core guys. Mm-hmm. Then Precious steps into that Boucher role, and I think that is a comfortable role for him. Now, to be fair. I I think we remember the Boucher stuff that happened in Tampa, the struggles that he went through, right? And then him building on top of that. It took a while for Chris Boucher to become a trusty, reliable bench player. Mm -hmm. I think you, you, you kind of have to give Precious that same leeway, afford him the luxury of figuring out who he can be. Uh, I think that's an ideal role for him. Not necessarily Precious uh, to be Chris Boucher. Maybe he has a higher ceiling. I think he does have a higher ceiling than that. Mm -hmm. But at least currently with what he can provide on the court, stepping into that role as sort of like a sixth man type makes a lot of sense for him. Yeah, you know what? I hadn't really thought of him just kind of assuming the Boucher role if in fact they were to move on from Boucher. But maybe there's some sort of move out there where Boucher becomes the vehicle by which you acquire like a backup point guard or, or someone you right. can rely upon, right? Someone a TJ little bit... McConnell, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've been a Monte Morris guy myself, but TJ McConnell certainly works as well. Uh, as much as I would detest just looking at TJ McConnell <laughs> after all the times I've had to spend looking at TJ McConnell over the last decade, yeah. uh, certainly would help. And, and yeah, maybe that is, you know, especially for a team like the Pacers who have no forwards whatsoever, maybe there's like an easy bit of synergy there when it comes to a trade. Maybe that's their pathway to kind of back 
balancing out the bench and giving Precious just like a very clear, you know, you're not overlapping in this sort of Bash Brothers role that you had with Boucher. That's just you. You go crash the offensive glass. You go hit the odd catch and shoot three. And you go and and just kind of be a, a guy on offense who I think probably offers a little bit more than Boucher is like a catch and drive type of guy you know attacking the the tilted defenses he's got that first step he's kind of got that downhill momentum that Boucher doesn't quite have unless of course he's in transition in which case he's a goddamn terror but um yeah I kind of like that as sort of a potential way to slot in Precious and solidify and clarify what his role is after a season where things have not been clarified it's probably not something they pull off this year but as far as planning for next year that's certainly something intriguing we're going to come back in a sec s i want to get into malachi flynn jeff Doughton jr uh we have you know thad young i think we can all kind of assume is maybe on his last legs as an nba player and as a raptor um but Otto porter jr is also a guy we've talked about as well we'll get into all that in just one sec before we do that however just a reminder locked on leafs our sister show go check him out every single day on your favorite podcast apps as the buds are very good they, they they're excellent they're going to the playoffs no doubt no playing to have to sort through for them they're going to be up against tampa in the first round go listen to locked on leafs with mike DeStefano and dave morissuti every day wherever you get your pod the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, S. Let's start with Malachi Flynn, shall we? You spoke with Malachi Flynn on your show uh, last week, a couple weeks ago. And look, I've been on this show admittedly i've been a pretty anti-malachi flynn dude i've just never really gotten it and it's not even all malachi flynn's fault they drafted him a pick and roll specialist point guard into a team that had aaron baines as its center in the first season and then just went zero center last year and for most of this year until yaka pertle arrived and now we're in the thick of it, and there's just not really any time, I think, to go and see, hey, Malachi Flynn, why don't you work on your pick-and-roll reps with Jakob Pertl? It's just that every possession's too meaningful at the moment as they push for the play-in. And so I have kind of resigned myself to Malachi Flynn not really being an answer for the Raptors in the second unit. Perhaps you have a different look at this, though. What's your level of optimism that, like, Malachi Flynn can finally get a foothold? He's getting some minutes right now. Will Barton being out, I would assume we're going to see more Flynn. He's played pretty decently, all told. His defense on ball, I think, is pretty good. That's had moments, even in the playoffs, where it looked pretty solid. And then the shot-making, I think, comes and goes. That's going to be the bellwether for me. If the shot-making is there, if he's hitting his catch-and-shoot threes, perfect, lovely, great bench player to have, but it's not really happened. He's been, like, sub-50 true shooting for most of his career. It's not what you want. Where are you at on the Malachi Flynn optimism meter? Uh, and, you know, just do you think it's ever going to work there? Or is this trying to make fetch happen? It's just not going to happen. First of all, he's a really cool dude. Uh, yeah. Would I mean, I hope and I root for him, hopefully for him to be able to figure out this thing, not only on the Raptors, but, you know, maybe there's a future for him outside of that to, to figure for out, sure. you know, NBA career wise. I know he's on. He has one more year with the Raptors after this and then, mm-hmm. you know, free agency. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think overall, to your point, 
uh, he he really wasn't ever set up for success in the right way with the Raptors. You mentioned the pick and roll stuff, not having a big man. I also think the inconsistency in the minutes being kind of jumping back and forth, going between, okay, I'm playing this week. I'm not playing this week. Mm. I, I'm going to be in the G League this week. I, I understand that's part of the rookie process, but I don't think it did him any favors. Uh, and when I talked to him, some of the stuff that he mentioned about the draft process and him not having any workouts, no summer league situation, him not being able to, the, you know, the workouts that they saw, the Raptors saw of him were one versus O workouts. He was doing self, you know, workout. I, so I think a lot of that stuff went to not really position him in the best way possible for his career to succeed. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think you're 100% right about the shooting. If the if that shooting can somehow jump miraculously next season, then yeah, I think he can be a bench guy for you because this team desperately needs shooting from mm -hmm. anywhere at any point in time. And if he's a guy who can stretch the floor for you, then yes, he's a guy that works for you rotation-wise. If he doesn't, it's that's the that is the outlier skill. That is the swing skill for Malachi Flynn's entire career is if he's going to be able to knock down these shots. Uh, mm -hmm. Whether it's with the Raptors or whether he ends up doing it for another team after this contract, who knows? I just think that that is what's going to determine what he is as an NBA player, to be honest with you. Um, that's it. Shooting, really, is it yeah. all comes down to that. And <laughs> it's going to come down to that with any of the guards that we bring up, even in the mm -hmm. summer when mm -hmm. we start to think, you know, you mentioned Monte Morris, but even when we start to think of like, okay, who can we get on a, a MLE? Who can we figure out what the Raptors can get on a taxpayer? Whatever, right? Mm -hmm. If if it's a point guard, you're going to have to look for a point guard who can also shoot, who can yeah. also create their own shot. Uh, and I think that's a big, big, like, skill. If we have a rubric of things the Raptors need right now, that is right now number one for mm -hmm. what they require, so. Yeah, and ultimately, it's why I don't think Flynn's going to factor in long term. It's it's not just because he's not hitting his shots, but also he doesn't create a ton, right? Like, and they've like actively moved him out of a creation role this season. His 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 assist percentage has dropped from twenty one point four percent as a rookie down to thirteen point seven percent this year. He's basically like a catch and shoot two guard, yeah, and that's fine. But you got to shoot to be a catch and shoot two guard, and. That hasn't happened. You know, 35% from three this season, not terrible, but I, I feel like with just the 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 other stuff he doesn't quite bring, like I know he's a decent on-ball defender, but he's not going to be like a switch defender for you or anything like that. Um, he doesn't create a ton. Right? Yeah. yeah, like you would just rather have the ball in the hands of a Scotty or a Fred or a Pascal, um, you know, to, to sort of for security's sake and for creation's sake and all that, um, you know. It just, I don't think it's going to be there for Flynn. And I think a, a more sort of tried and true backup point guard option is like just there's screaming for someone like that. Give mm -hmm. me a four year college guard, please, uh, in the draft. Um, you know, someone like Desmond Bain, even. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, uh, Let's flip over to Jeff Doughton Jr. Obviously, he's the guy who's everyone's got their eyes on right now because he's in the two-way. He's got like four games of eligibility left with the Raptors before he's got to be converted to a regular contract in order to be eligible for the playoffs or to play more games in the regular season on down the list of things that the two-way contract inhibits you from doing. A, should they make him a full-time NBA player? You know, obviously, he's done a lot. People love Jeff Doughton. There's lots of guys in the roster who maybe are not as loved. Um, you know, there's Delano Banton. There's Joe Wieskamp. There's a couple other guys who don't have guaranteed money that they can move on from. Will Barton as well. Um, where are you at with Jeff Doughton? Should they bring him in on a regular deal? And do you think he can actually earnestly be 
a meaningful contributor to the Raptors bench? Or is this a situation like I talked about with Vivek yesterday where it's just like he looks really attractive because he's just the best they got, but it's not exactly a high bar to clear. It's a little bit of the finding water in the desert thing where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, where have you been all my life? <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do think there are some tangible skills that he has. Point of attack defender who can who can be more of a multi-positional defender, more mm-hmm. than Malachi Flynn at the very least. Uh, he's He has some size to him, so he can guard up a little bit more, guard your two guard, maybe guard a, a smaller wing. So I think that's possible. I think the decision-making has been better. His pick-and-roll playmaking has, been, has looked better. They've given him on-ball reps. He is nice off of the ball as well. He can attack, cut to the rim. All that stuff is very true. Uh, he hasn't again he hasn't gotten too much opportunity here i would wish for another season for him to have an opportunity to try things out maybe be in a larger role but not necessarily the backup point guard mm. maybe he's your 10th guy your your ninth or 10th guy who is behind the backup point guard the the de facto veteran that we're looking for here mm-hmm. um i think that's probably the way to go with jeff Dowden. i'm not sure i actually think they definitely convert him uh, yeah. maybe, maybe that's, that's a crazy, I don't think that's a crazy take. I think, I think people are just assuming they won't because they want it to happen and they're mad at the front office for, you know, all of Fair those enough. reasons or whatever. Fair enough. So it's yeah. just like an assumption of they're going to be cheap and not do it, but it's like, <laughs> eh, maybe they are just waiting. They don't have to do it now. They're doing the yeah. thing that I do with paperwork where I wait until the last minute to do it. <laughs> yeah. Or, la- or that last email, you know, you have an email you haven't opened up and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, um, so I, I, I think they keep him. I think they keep Jeff Dowden. I think they do convert him and i think they give him at least another season to see what this looks like um Mm -hmm. how he can translate into a role where maybe he's he's playing more with the starters maybe there is a better bench next year maybe there's more shooting so uh, putting more responsibility on his plate next season seems like the right thing to do Uh, i'd be Mm -hmm. interested in, in watching that happen yeah, like let him run the summer league team. Let him, you know, kind of, you know, cut his teeth there. He sort of honestly, did last year, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. I mean, that's yeah. what kind of got him into the system. Honestly, I mean, I I would be fine if they just gave Dalton the full complement of Barton's minutes, right? Like he's been playing, mm-hmm. what, 10 to 18 minutes a game, kind of yeah. depending on performance. Like I know Barton in theory offers more theoretical spacing and is a bit more of a seasoned ball handler, all of that. But, like, Barton wasn't doing much with his minutes. Obviously, unfortunately, he got hurt. But I would just rather see Doughton get those minutes right now because I think, you know, I don't think Will Barton is going to be on next year's Toronto Raptors. There's a chance Jeff Doughton is. And for the sort of marginal maybe drop-off you're getting between the experience of Barton to the sort of less seasoned Jeff Doughton, I think I would just rather see Jeff Doughton get those minutes. I'd rather see him get the minutes over Malachi Flynn as well because I think he does more to tangibly help the team when he's out there. So uh, more Doughton, baby. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say like also it, for a team that has been woefully inconsistent defensively, having yeah. a guy like Doughton versus Barton is mm-hmm. is huge because you don't have. I mean, Barton has been bleeding points defensively as much as as much as it pains me to say because I thought maybe hopefully he'd be able to be a shot creator. Maybe his quote unquote experience can can help him fit in a team setting. But Doughton mm-hmm. is the better defender right now, um, and they could use a guy like that at the point of attack because. The dribble penetration on some nights. I mean, it, who was it? They were playing Indiana. Just mm-hmm. absolutely torched them on the dribble penetration stuff. Just killing them on the point of attack. You add a guy like Downton, problem solved, kind of. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> kind of. That's just kind of solving problems here. It's the it's the goal for the bench. Um, we're gonna run through a couple more quick names, and then I want I have a question to pose to you at the end, sort of a fantastical question. But let's just kind of quickly fire off, and we just give me like a one sentence. Do you think this guy is going to be a solution or a dilution? As we've talked about earlier, uh, nothing but great puns and wordplay here <laughs> on Locked On Raptors. Um, but okay, Otto Porter Jr. Do you think? The hope of him returning and actually being a tangible contributor to next year's bench is real. Obviously, they could, I think, wave him in the summer. It might cost yeah. him some money. I'm not exactly sure of the mechanics of that, but uh, there's that. He could also opt out. I think he has the player option. Uh, but, you know, assuming he's going to opt in, he wants to be in Toronto. His wife's from Toronto. It'd be nice to get him on the team. I'm sure the Raptors would love to have him. How many times have you thought this year, oh, my God, what if they had Otto Porter right now? How much better would things be? Um, not just for their bench lineups, but for potential closing lineups and stuff like yeah. that as well. Um, so, yeah, solution or not for next season, do you think Otto Porter is like a reasonable dude to like hang your hopes on that, all right, maybe just maybe we get like 55 games of Otto Porter Jr., or is that just completely pie in the sky, hoping for a thing that is never going to come, Charlie Brown? I mean, they better hope he is a solution <laughs> uh, because at this point, like, there's no real other tangible way they're going to improve their bench unless mm. – Unless they end up, you know, like you said earlier, moving a Boucher or maybe moving one of their core guys to get multiple bench pieces. I mm -hmm. think I think that's it makes sense to bank on Otto, really, to hopefully come back and be the guy that you expected him to be this season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say he is part of the solution. Yeah, I I have high hopes. Maybe it's totally foolish, but I think, uh, you know, I watched Otto Porter play eight games for the Raptors this year, and it was some of the most adult they looked all season long. Yeah. He's going to help if he's healthy, healthy. And obviously the toe thing this year sucked, but I think uh, there's a good chance he comes back and is at least reasonable for two-thirds of the season as far as availability and all that. You can't expect 82 games of 25 minutes a night from him or anything like that, but can he help? I certainly think he can. Delano Banton. Hmm. Uh, I, I, look, man, I know <laughs> everyone wants Delano Banton to be a thing. He's got the passport. He's got the TTC card. Everyone's very happy. I don't think Delano Banton's an NBA player. Do you think he's an NBA player? Do you think he can be a solution for this bench? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the, the reason behind that is because, look, this team is sort of catered to play to the strengths of a guy like Delano Banton, and mm. he hasn't necessarily looked the best despite that. I, if we compare Malachi Flynn versus Delano, it's like Malachi has been put in an impossible situation and hasn't done the best where it's like, okay, maybe if you throw him on a different team, Mm -hmm. may, maybe there's opportunity there for him to grow with Delano. It's like, look, this has been a ideal situation for him. Uh, the, the size, the length that they play with, they like to play in transition and yet still not the best uh, results. So I, mm -hmm. I agree with you. I don't think there is uh, a future, so to speak for Delano, especially with the Raptors. I would imagine though, that he does get a second shot somewhere else. I think the the skills, the tangible skills that he brings, size, length, athleticism, it's something another team could try to bank on. Yeah. To me, he just also, he feels like the ultimate G League star, right? Where it's, yes, he's very good at running the show in the G League. He can dominate. He can put up 30-point triple doubles. He can do that whole thing. Yeah. But what does he do 
when it comes to the stuff he's going to be asked to do at the NBA level because he's never going to be the lead ball handler for the Toronto Raptors. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And without that, he's got to be a role player. He's got to cut. He's got to hit catch-and-shoot threes. He's got to play defense uh, you know, with some sort of tangible consistency. And I just don't think we've seen that. And really, to me, he makes his bones when he's out in the open court. That's great, but you can't build your hopes on a guy who impacts 20% of the game. I, I just, in the half court, he doesn't have any sort of downhill, you know, first step ability. He can't burst by guys really. And I just think there's not really a spot for him on a bench where you need role players, right? Where they're going to be starters staggered in who are the main guys featured in those looks. It, it just doesn't seem to really line up for me. It's unfortunate. I'd love for it to be a thing. But I just, I don't really see it with Delano Ban. It's unfortunate. Uh, lastly, let's go Christian Coloco. We mentioned him briefly. I think he has a shot to be really good uh, as like a backup big. I don't think he's going to be like starter level necessarily. I think his offensive skills have to come a long way for that to be a thing. But like the Raptors are 10 points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor this season. Their defense is monstrous when he's on the floor. Uh, it's been the case whenever they've had someone over six foot 11 on the floor this season. They've been really, really hard to score on and really good on the whole. Yeah. Uh, what's your level of optimism for Christian Coloco going forward? Big thumbs up, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, yeah, I think he can be a good contributor next season. I, I really the them being able to, and this is kind of like an off uh, offshoot of this conversation. The Raptors have been injured a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and it's given them the opportunity to explore a Doughton, explore a Coloco, explore mm -hmm. a Malachi Flynn, and see what they like. The results that we've seen from Coloco have been overwhelming positive. Like I, I just think, look, a big guy like you mentioned that can protect the rim, block shots, be a rim deter, if you will. Uh, that's the way to go for Coloco. The feel, the offensive feel, if he can grab it and go up with it on a pick and roll, that will be – let's see if that can ever develop because I'm not mm -hmm. sure. But the defensive side, absolutely, he's going to be – I I have a feeling he's going to be their backup big man next season. And that makes a lot of sense because now you have a guy who sort of emulates similar things to Jakob defensively. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you can transition that a lot easier. Yeah, if you're like constructing a bench unit for next year, you have Precious hopefully kind of finding himself in at like, in theory, the four spot. And let's just assume in this situation, Chris Boucher has been traded for some sort of guard upgrade. Right. So you have whatever guard you've dealt for. You have Gary Trent Jr. assuming he's back. You have Precious. You have Coloco. You sprinkle in a starter or two, and you might be cooking with something there. Also, you factor in Otto Porter Jr. And... Hey, maybe just maybe. Plus, they have a first-round pick in this year's draft. There's a world here in which the bench situation becomes a lot more clarified and a lot more promising just with the addition of one draft pick and with a summer of development for both Coloco and Precious. That, I think, is where you got to kind of hang your optimism here. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to leave it there. We've run long. Thank you, S, for jumping on the show, man. It's uh, always a great time to chat with you. we got to do this more. It's been far too long. Anything you want to promote for the good people out there before we let you go? Yeah, I guess go watch the Austin Reeves video, folks. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll be out by the time you're listening to this, but you know you can just check out the the Twitter sphere and you'll you'll probably see it. Going to be dropping it soon. Um, and then yeah, playoff. Listen to the Objective Basketball podcast if you would like. We talk about playoffs. We talk about the NBA generally. And uh, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, Sean. As always, man. It's it's fun. 
Hell yeah, man. Uh, all right, go do all the things S just said to do to support his work. You can support my work by following me on Twitter. Don't follow me on Twitter. Go to Instagram, Locked on Raptors. Go check that out. Uh, there'll be little bonus contents. There's a part of this show that got cut out that I'm putting as bonus content later in the week. <laughs> <gasps> wow! Uh, so go check that out. We've got, uh, you know, tomorrow's show. Katie Heindel will be back along. We're going to break down Raptors heat. Always will be fun. That game should be a nasty slog and make us all hate ourselves by the time it's over. Can't wait. Uh, rest of the week loaded as well as we send you off into the, the stretch run of the season as we flip over to April. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go make your second listen once again. Locked on Leafs. And in the meantime, thanks so much for hanging. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.